If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. We're back for our final week in Europe for 2020 as we do the Around the World series all year. It's taken us since February. We started, I believe. Ooh, where did we start in Europe? Like Budapest or Sweden? Do you, do you remember? Uh, yeah, one of those. Yeah. yeah, very deep Eastern European uh, country, like one of those. But we went to Norway, we went to Switzerland, we went to Germany, we went to the UK and Ireland, and and we've been basically everywhere. So the last place that we have is Portugal, which will kind of segue nicely because next week. We'll be doing Brazil. So we get the Portuguese back to back for two weeks in a row. And, and, you know, with how intense that this crowd is next week, we're going to get a crowd just as intense and maybe like 15 times more intense than this one is, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, when we'll start to get talking about this. But anyway, Randy Sobel here, John Ferrer over there. And, uh, well, what do you think Europe, you know, this being the last one, uh, some of the best things that we've talked about, on this around the world series have just been how different the crowds are. And I think this one is a good one to go out on. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, there's so many great shows, like so many epic shows. You talk about Berlin and London and Amsterdam, like all these classic places that they've gone to. And 
we've kind of seen like a different side of them that they can kind of you know that they're it's not a hometown crowd you know even it's not a crowd that speaks their language mostly so they they've tried a lot of different things the set lists are usually different over there and it's it's and you know we were supposed to coincide with this european tour that they were doing this year we were gonna tie in with that and now i'm you know we're obviously wishing that had happened you know it made me want to want to go see a show there you know you were supposed to go to amsterdam you know this year that would have been great and yeah it's just such a different atmosphere than it is in the in the u.s so yeah it's been real interesting we've done some classic ones and we've done some lesser known ones and this one we're we're ending europe with uh with us a show that was the end of a tour yeah, I don't I don't know where this stands in the 96 tour. I think everybody kind of talks about Berlin because, you know, especially people in the States, that's the one that everybody got to yeah, listen to yeah. because it was a radio show. But, like, do people – there were two nights in Lisbon back-to-back. Do people talk about these? Like, I, I know the full show is on YouTube, so at least it's available for people. But, like, to me, I – now this is this is a shout out to you random Instagram person like a year ago on Instagram we posted that we were you know whatever episode it was that we were doing that week and the guy was like you should do Portugal 1996 mm-hmm. and it wasn't even a 96 show but like sometimes those things stick in us and we remember them and when we said we had to do a Portugal show I'm like that one guy whoever he is if he's tuning in today you got your Portugal show sir <laughs> Congratulations. So that's why we're doing this one. But it's not one that I had like on my radar just sitting there like, okay, when we go to Portugal, we have to do this because there's a show from like 2010, 2012, where uh, they have the song Portugal, Portugal. So like that, you know, they made up a a song for for the country. So we could have done that. Uh, We'll get to it eventually when we go back to around the world in 2025. Around the world, too. Yeah. Yeah. This time we'll hit Greece and Turkey. <laughs> we missed those. That's right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and again, you, you can't go wrong with 96. Like, yeah, the, the Berlin one has the has the notoriety because of it was available. But, you know, we talked about it on that episode, a lot of people think the Hamburg show is even better. Like, they were just on such a high. You know, every night they were, they were breaking out classic performances. So, yeah, you can't go wrong just throwing a dart at this tour and picking one let's uh let's get into some pearl jam topics here we we got some information this week and they released the the halloween shirt and the the riding with biden shirt and say what say what you want it's it's an awful shirt uh that that's like what kid rock would release for a trump shirt by the way like i don't know if that tone down if there's iron come on yeah i don't know if there's irony in that or if they did it on purpose but now like, now's not the time for irony pro jam let's I, yeah come on yeah. get get us if you're gonna do merch like get us something that we actually fr- freaking want so i here's the thing jeff did an article for rolling stone and a lot of it was about you know voting and about like okay now is the time we we need to get people to vote and it's this is important and we're going to be talking about this a lot in the month of october they they started that pj votes campaign Mm -hmm. where they're trying to get you know you're trying to recruit three people and that that's that's their that's their new focus right now so it's great yeah Yeah. i yeah i think that's terrific and i hope that a lot of young people that are listening in to to us or listening to them 
uh, are taking notice and, and realizing what's going on right now. Like this is a serious election year and, and hopefully we'll be able to get involved for, for years to come. But um, one of the other things that, uh, that he mentioned in that article with Rolling Stone was that Pearl Jam was set to play a bunch of battleground states in October, like places like uh, Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh. They were going to do a place in Ohio. Then I don't think Jeff really specified. Uh, I think he mentioned St. Paul, Minnesota, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I, I would assume that they would end up hitting like Michigan, you know, Detroit or Auburn Hills, uh, maybe even going down to Florida, who knows, but like, this was going to be an important October for them. That's basically what it all kind of summed down to. Yeah. We kind of got a little bit of, of clues as to what that leg two would have looked like. I think the, the day of the interview, he said, oh, this was supposed to be the, the closer in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it would have been great to, you know, if he, if he had just run down the whole list of shows that they were planning on playing, that would have been right. very helpful. But yeah, that's something to look forward to if you're in that area when they when they come back, you'll probably be uh, be get some shows in that that region. So that's great. Hopefully, yeah, and hopefully, you know, it won't need to be a you know a vote for change type show where you know we'll we'll be in an okay spot. But you know that that's kind of that's looking into a future that we are not very clair- clairvoyant about at the moment. So uh, we will hang on to that that point. But um, I do want to mention. Speaking of concerts and speaking of shows, I was actually at a show this past weekend, and uh, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the experience, because it sure as hell was a lot different than any other concert experience that I'd been to before. So I saw Dinosaur Jr., and I saw them on a farm in Connecticut, and there were probably about 500 people there, max, maybe a little more, give or take, but... There was definitely a disconnect, and I remember when I first brought this up in 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 the episode, you said there could be a disconnect that you know Dinosaur Junior is best when you hear him in a club, and and now that I've experienced this, I full heartedly agree with that. Um, but it was very weird, and especially where we had our tickets, uh, each each seating spot was a grid. We had to bring our own chairs or blankets, and. You know, we were in a two-person grid, you know, white white outline on the grass, and probably like 10 to 12 feet away from grids that were close to each other. But a lot of the grids near us were empty. So it felt like we were, and we were also, also all the way to the left side. So it felt like we were kind of off in the distance watching a show that we couldn't really see much of and and having not a lot of reaction after every song was very i just very strange i you know i i you know and they're not really a band that that talks to the crowd a lot they don't do a lot of crowd engagement they might have talked to them like two times maybe say hey this this is this person and and uh i'm jay mascus and and that's maybe it and i think at the end they thanked them for for uh for letting them out of the house for for a night and that was it but overall very odd experience having everybody that much of a distance away from each other having the songs you know and in between the songs being able to hear like a pin drop and not having a lot of people reacting to the songs. Like, this might be our future, 
But man, this is not concerts. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, did, were you able to like get any feedback? Did they post anything or say anything about it afterwards? Because I'm curious to see if check. they if they got anything out of it. Like, you know, what their what their thoughts on it, and they're you know notably a band that doesn't interact very much. Yeah, Jay Maskus is notoriously kind of a uh, I don't know him personally, but he has a reputation for being kind of standoffish and and not very engaging. Like he'll just look down at his shoes the whole time. But I'm wondering what they got out of it, if they were able to get kind of the kind of feed off of whatever crowd there was. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I, I think it's difficult to tell because I think that maybe it's one of those things where people have to do it more often. They have to do it because this was the first time that they did it. They said this was their first show since last November. Um, so it was the first time that they did it. I'm sure a lot of people there, it was their first time going to a show of this nature, probably 90% of the people at this show. Uh, the venue has been having, the last couple of weeks, they've been having uh, some random you know, folk bands or, or comedy uh, uh, shows there. But it's still, it's something that not a lot of people are going to be used to at first. And they're, you know, they're, especially for the next little while, you know, big bands aren't going to be playing on those stages. So if you want to go and see a small band, you're not going to be used to that, you know, uh, that dynamic. So I, I just don't know. I, I think people were just, it was an adjustment that they weren't necessarily expecting. And that, that that's at least from my standpoint. Yeah, it just, it just seems like very, very strange. I just would have been very, I just would have been weirded out the whole time. Yeah, music is music, and man, yeah. like getting two hours of live music is that, that that filled me up for the night. Like that that was that was a really nice thing to have after you know having basically a full summer uh, just explode on you, and and more a, a spring as well, uh, just kind of explode on you and and basically get nothing. It's something that you kind of hanker for, and and Dinosaur Junior is not like a favorite band of mine where, you know, I'm really singing along and really loving every single song that they're playing, but it just, I think it took something out of it. It definitely did. And maybe had a band played that was a little bit more energetic and, uh, you know, maybe one that interacted with the crowd a little bit, like maybe it would have been a little bit better and maybe the crowd would have reacted a little more, but I don't know. Uh, it, this is going to be the future for a while. That's basically my, my outlook on this is there's no other way to, to go about it, but say like, if, if you want to go to shows, this might be it for 2021. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Want to take two seconds to talk about Patreon for a sec? Absolutely. All right. Um, remember the whole month of September, if you donate to our Patreon, uh, for all of September, we will donate to runfreely.org at the end of the month. Whatever we make from that month will be donated to Kenny Man, Kenny Main's organization that creates uh, knee braces for Army veterans that have lig- ligament damage that are basically prevent this brace prevents them from getting a leg amputated. Like that's how 
impactful this is. So we wanted to help out as a thank you for him coming on the show. If you didn't check out that episode, it's a little bit uh, back a couple episodes in, in the archive. Go check it out. He was a great interview. He was, he was great to talk to. Has lots of good Pearl Jam stories and lots of good stories about other music. But uh, definitely go take, take a listen to that if you want to join our Patreon. All the donations for September are going to runfreely.org. And uh, once again, we're just doing more stuff over at Patreon. John, uh, what else is going on over there the, the next couple weeks? And what do we have up already that's, uh, you know, that's been pretty popular? Yeah, we just we just put out our rearview mirror evolution episode uh, a week or two ago. That was a lot of fun to do, a lot of fun to go through and talk about. Uh, we're doing a uh, a poll right now on social media, I think on Twitter, where you can go vote for the next song for us to do. We've got uh, Bridge School episodes coming out soon. Again, another one at the end of this month, and then we uh, we just did a Devo episode, kind of a fun little thing where we talked about. We kind of threw out some bands at each other and tried to pick what song, what Pearl Jam songs they would cover for like a fake Pearl Jam tribute album. That was a lot of fun. I, I think we had too much fun with that. <laughs> I think some of it was too on the nose. I think we we That's hit we hit some of those like dead on. That some of those need the to happen. Biscuit. That's not the one I was thinking of. But <laughs> if you it, was, it was dead on. It was, but yeah. it just you know not in a positive aspect where you want to listen to it you know right uh but i, I liked our choices I, I was thinking about making a graphic that was like kind of a, a side a side b and doing a track listing mm-hmm. so maybe i'll uh if i have time this week maybe I'll, I'll post that on the social media so you guys that aren't on patreon can get to see what we chose but uh it, it was definitely an interesting experiment so uh all that and more you get uh, if you want to be involved in our setlist draft. If you want a free bootleg every month, that we send people a bootleg on the fourth of every month. That's available for you. Uh, it's all over at our Patreon. So Patreon.com/slash Live on Four Legs, or download the Patreon app and search Live on Four Legs. We are there. We promise. Uh, and yeah, it's just great content. We're just continuing to fill up and uh, continuing to support the people that support us. So head on over there if you if you like our show and want more. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go into 1996 here. Let's kind of get our no code on, you know, get Jack back into the picture. I think it's been a little bit since we've done a Jack show, uh, at least full band wise. And uh, yeah, is there anything else we need to paint for for this tour to kind of sum everything up and put everything together? Well, yeah, you know, we talked about it being the the end of the tour, and that's always kind of a celebration. You know, they're they're always going to kind of be be fan friendly on those nights and they they start they always start out a little a little straight and then they end up usually going sideways about halfway through and that that happens here too so yeah it's this was this was a good listen it was yeah it was good watch too the yeah. full things on youtube like i mentioned before uh and it just seems right from the get-go that the band is feeling really loose that they want like you know one last chance to get out in europe and enjoy themselves and and get to enjoy these crowds because it really had been four years since they'd been over there they they were there in 92 when they were just starting to blossom and and you know we talked about that when we did the the stockholm show that they had to change venue because they gotten so big in the course of uh, when they had booked the show uh, to when the date of the show was that they had to get more people in there. Yeah. There was too much of a demand. So 
this is a different thing now. They didn't get to go here during versus. They didn't get to go here during Vitalogy, and now no code. They're able to kind of you know uh, take all this in, and and the crowds have just gotten bigger and and even more unique as as uh, they've gone along. Yeah, and, the, and you can tell like the band definitely realized that they they definitely stretched out these set lists. You know, we're we're looking at twenty five songs here. You know that that's even a step up from some of the ninety four and ninety five shows. So they were definitely they definitely realized that these 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 crowds hadn't had a chance to hear any of the verses or Vitalogy songs. Yeah, that's that's a really good point that I didn't even think of. Yeah, the, you know, there's a lot to get to, and uh, I, I think with most of these shows, looking at their set list, like they pretty much hit a home run for for most of them, and this one, no different. So let's get into it. Uh, first opener. First one in is a song that they only opened with this very time that you're hearing it right now. Who You Are is the opener. And so it's funny because around this time, they were playing it a lot in 96. And I think about 25 times got played this year, which is basically almost every night on tour. They played it two more times with Jack. And then once once Matt came around... It went 10 years on a hiatus, 370 shows before they brought it back from 98 to 2008. So this is sort of the end of this song, and it's kind of funny that it's it's going out, in a way, on top as the opener. You know, this being the first single off the album, and, and one that I think they thought a lot of. Maybe other fans didn't really think too much of, but uh, uh, they definitely really liked the song at the time because they were playing it at the time oh I, and i love this like who you are to open is i think really really well done here i love it i think it it sets the tone for the show it it's a good way to ease you into it it's it's kind of got that it fits in with like you know, the categories of like a wash opener or like a hard to imagine opener the mid-tempo yeah, ones. Yeah, it, and it kind of has a nice build to it. Like, these 96 versions of Jack, like, when it's good like this, it's it's right below in my tree as far as, like, levels of, of you know, just transcendence and, like, the band feeling. Like, they really they really accent those, those hits in the song, and it really sounds good with Jack, obviously. And, yeah, I thought this was, this was great. Like, I can't believe it's only open one time. Like, I, it should have absolutely stayed in the rotation. kind of finds its way in mid-set like I think maybe around the time that they played Tremor Christ or Better Man on this show this is sort of that like mid-set cool-down spot that that it's in um but I like this to open I think this kind of uh like you said it it reminds you of like a wash I think I think to me it's like along the lines of Can't Keep where it's kind of like it's 
you know, or even, it's or a even a little a bit sometimes the song from the same album. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there's a little bit of momentum and like they can, it, it can be positive, but it's also kind of a warm up. It's kind of a tune up to get you really started. And you know, the 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 three out of that being Animal Hell Hell and Tremor Christ. Like I think that the transition into those made it what what worked really well. Oh yeah, and I, I never thought that who you are into animal would sound as good as it does but yeah you don't usually think of that as a one-two punch but yeah it it sounds great and kudos of you know I'm, we'll talk about it too you know this is another another one we've been doing a lot of these lately where it's just hit after hit in the main set like definitely fan friendly i gotta think that this is this is a stone set list that, that with his his family being there i think Ed probably went up to him and was like, "Hey, you know, go ahead, and, go ahead and pick some songs to play tonight." And we know, you know, from the movie that that's that's his mo. He wants to get out there and punch the crowd in the face. Yeah, I, and that's that's a great point, uh, especially for for you know his parents being being out there and being a ways uh, from home from Seattle. Uh, and you're right, Animal just has that drive to it. Uh, there's so much energy coming from Jeff. Mike is running around a little bit, but you just see, you almost never see Jeff, like, that juiced up. Like, he was amped at this show. Like, this this is a great Jeff show for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, think, think Pink Pop 92, and I know that's putting it on a very high pedestal, but, like, he's that kind of amped up in this. Um, yeah, that, and, that, that, sorry, that whole 92, 93 era, he was... He was jumping all over the place. He's all those classic pictures of him and Ed, like in midair. You know, you think of that. And he was, he was definitely channeling some of that stuff at the show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think Animal and Hell Hell are probably the two that kind of are the best example of that. And then you get into Tremor Christ after those, and you know, Ed's voice is going to be a little bit of a storyline in this because he mentions. Uh, kind of like how I am right now. I feel very raspy tonight. I don't, you know, I, I might have a cold coming on or something like that. But uh, he says his voice isn't one hundred percent, but it makes songs like Tremor Christ really stand out. His his fifty percent voice in nineteen ninety six is still very powerful and still very good. It's not like his fifty percent voice in, in twenty eighteen or, or twenty sixteen. There's a world of difference there. Uh, lay off the cigarettes, Ed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's and Hail Hail too. I thought it was done really well. You hear you get your first taste of the crowd at the end where they're just hey 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 mm-hmm. like very loud, very prominent, and yeah, you could tell they. They were they were giving that energy to the band on the last night. I thought it it really really elevated them for that that next this next little set here. Yeah, absolutely. The crowd is as big of a member of the band at the show uh, than anybody in the band is. Like they make this special, and even the the crowd chanting in the beginning of of Corduroy too. Like this is the the crowd is helping them 
kind of feel loose a little bit. Like Corduroy is very loose, yet very in the pocket, and like it just everything seems to move really, really well. Where you're just, it feels like you're listening to them, and they're basically their perfect spot. But yeah, when Ed starts playing, he's he's playing that intro, you know, very slowly, almost like it is on the on the album, and it's oh, it's just the anticipation just builds really really well like i i couldn't wait for it to kick in like it's the tension of it is just perfect and then yeah it gets really quiet the the solo the thing by mike is great yeah they do a little kind of 15 20 30 second jam at the end that's really cool done a little bit like when the song was kind of developing in the jack irons era but uh yeah this one was i, I like how they end this this uh this version of corduroy they they kind of yeah. you're right they take it down a little bit and they sort of let it fade a little bit which is uh very interesting yeah and think too but, this is only a month or two after that bridge school where they did mm-hmm. the lounge version of it so maybe they were they were you know playing around with it a little bit and maybe you know some of that some of that rubbed off on them I'm glad you mentioned that because that actually is part of a mini side conversation that I wanted to have about this show is that after the show, Ed stuck around in Europe a little bit and played a couple of solo shows. And one of the songs that he played at the solo show was that version of Corduroy, but electric. Yep. So, and that's also, I think, uh, I think there was a show in Rome. I think there was a show... Mm -hmm. Uh, there were two sh- two or three shows. Uh, there might have all been in Italy. Maybe one Rome, one Milan. Yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I think this um, this kind of was the beginning of that too because they they did a preset. I think the Fastbacks opened this show. They did. And yeah. Ed came out with a I think Kurt from the Fastbacks and Jim maybe and they they played as the What and they did some a bunch of Who covers. I think the night one they did three or four and I think this one they came out and did Leaving Here as the What before the fastbacks went on. So he was already kind of doing that. We're like, let, you know, give me like a little three or four piece rock and roll combo. And yeah, he went on to, you know, that, that Rome show, they premiered MFC. He was doing a bunch of covers. Like we do love building on fire by talking heads. Yeah. Like some, just doing some a ton of, ton of who stuff. and police stuff yeah. basically. Yeah. Pretty much. I, I think one of those set lists starts out with, the kids are all right into yep. my generation yep. into can't explain. Like it's basically doing that fast pack set. Mm-hmm. So cool stuff. Yeah. It, it's that, that whole show is on YouTube too. Definitely check that out. Maybe that's uh something we'll throw in as like an extra bonus, either Patreon episode or something in the future. So definitely interesting to, to take a look at in this day and age. Uh, Ed addresses the crowd after Corduroy and asks for the house lights so they can see 
everybody. I think it's a 17,000 capacity building. Apparently the building was very big. Um, so he wants to see everybody and mentions that they didn't get any sleep last night. His throat hurts like shit. So he asked for the crowd to help him sing all night and they sure do. And then we get a, a you know, an early set better man here, but better man feels like it's, it's very poppy. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not a version that kind of elicits that like call and response emotion. And this is just sort of basically what you would hear off the radio no tags or anything like that three minute version and they're out but it, it sounds real tight and real good yeah and it was strange to see people holding up actual lighters at the end instead of that yeah that, that that's right touch. yeah yeah I, you have to be a smoker at this point like not everybody has lighters it's not like a phone where you can just you know put your flashlight on and, and, and bust it out no you had to be a smoker to, to be involved with these things back then. Where 96, I think, most people were more smokers than not, I, I would think. At yeah, least you know, the Europeans have a, have a reputation. But, you know, they, sure. they could have brought lighters. You know, that was a thing. You know, you go to a rock and roll show, you bring the lighter for the, for yeah. the ballad. You know, there could have been some that just brought it for that purpose. GA really looked intense in that, too. I don't know oh, if yeah. you got to see all yeah. the heads bounce, bouncing up and down. Like, Definitely. it's almost... At points in the show, like borderline scary. Yeah, I couldn't tell. If there was one point, maybe during the next song, where someone gets thrown on stage or something and have to like run off. But yeah, was, yeah, they were they were packed in tight. Yeah, yeah, like one one misstep, and we have to do like the take take a couple steps back to sort of deal. Like one person can trip over, and there might be some issues, you know. But it seems. It seemed like they, they, you know, kept themselves in, in good shape, and uh, it just it's just rowdy. Every, every every single person is in unison, all jumping up and down during most of these songs. So really, really good stuff from the crowd. Uh, and that uh, takes us into Not For You. Yeah, Not For You is a, a highlight for me, man. Like, I love when it gets really quiet. He kind of goes on a little, does a little spoken word thing. And usually we don't like try to uh, explain the lyrics or anything. It's up to everybody. Anyways... 
So I'm not sure if this is like very common knowledge, but uh, there is a Pearl Jam book that's coming out very soon, and I may or may not have an early release of it. Um, I'll put it that way. But you'll you'll uh, you'll hear more about that within very very due time. Um, but there is something mentioned in the book that I didn't know, and that's not for you. Was actually written about somebody that wrote a letter into Ed saying I'm a huge fan but I'm a convicted rapist hmm. and I think that that's part of what spurned that like I think a lot of people will will take it as you know them saying oh this is not for the, the critics and not for uh, the people that judge them but um, I think that one story specifically is noted as it being a uh uh, a factor into why they wrote this song, yeah, the, which makes a lot of sense. The, those fans that they were trying to weed out with no code, the you know your, right. your quote unquote the jocks and the bros and all that who mm-hmm. who weren't really listening to the the words. Right, exactly. Yeah, they they just liked rock and roll because it was it was it was popular at that point. But trust me, once uh, once Biggie and Tupac became popular, and then you know Eminem and and more people came along those lines, they they just followed the trends. That's all they do is they they follow the trends. But, yeah, they, those were your Limp Bizkit fans a few years later. Oh yeah, they they got out of Dodge. That's for sure. So don't need them. Don't want them anymore. Good, get them out. Uh, yeah, I love the finish on this song too. Just great intensity just great driving by jack drives the whole thing throughout like fantastic uh big loud portugal chants come after that Just 
a great crowd from the standpoint of the, just they're they're loud and they're I think just feeding off the band's excitement too. If the band wasn't as juiced up to to play the last song of the uh, the last show of the tour, then uh, maybe the crowd isn't as as amped. But they stay like this basically throughout all twenty five songs, which is uh, is pretty impressive for any crowd. So um, that gets us into a little bit of a cool down. Off he goes. Um, comes after a pretty intense not for you and Jeff and, Bo- and Stone are both taking a seat during this one so it, it does feel like more of an upbeat version like versions that we get nowadays where it's a little less downtrodden it felt a little a little more bouncy a little more poppy it was a little bit more like the album version yeah and I, I, I thought it was great like off he goes obviously one of my favorite songs and yeah it just sounded sounded no perfect yeah, look, no code, no code era. They're still very fresh on the song, so of course, you know, going to be very close to to what they're doing with the album and all that. So, uh, yeah, and how many no code songs are played at the show? Like six, seven. You know, they all sound yeah. fantastic. So nothing, nothing bad about that. Um, that gets us into the next no code song, where the mic gets passed over to Mr. Stone Gossard. And this is where he mentions that his parents are in the crowd and he is singing uh, this one for his parents. And, uh, you know, again, shine the spotlight on the No Code songs. They sound terrific. And, and of course, Mankind in later years would get botched a little bit every now and again when they play it. Because, you know, one thing or another with Stone singing, something goes awry. But uh, when they're doing this almost every other night, it, it, it's a really good version now is is Stone the guy in the band that has to get his parents to come pick him up at the end of the tour? Like he, <laughs> the band's like, yeah, Stone, we we, we booked the flight, but you, we we ran out of tickets. You, can, can you call your parents or something and have them come pick you up? Like that that was that was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, it's it sounds good. Like and I I love the what Jeff was doing during the solo, just really accentuating those those upstrokes. Like it it was really great, and they. They nailed it again. You talk about '96, like the—that's the time to get these songs sounding the best, and this is no exception. Yeah, and then, and then Ed comes back on and does a little uh, Stone impression. That's what that was. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't even. T- he says it was something so quick. Lisbon to the like Lisbon, like to the mankind thing. It, it was he was doing his a little Stone falsetto. Yeah, that uh, that that takes us into the big guns that he's uh, he's teeing us up for here, uh, an even flow, a daughter and a Jeremy, or a Jeremy than a daughter. Um, all the hits just sound like they are hitting all the right notes at all the right spots. They are just they're crushing these as they always do, and with bigger crowds that know the bigger songs three in a row, uh, they can really get revved up and amped up and uh and enjoy themselves and, and you go back to this you know being this very stone set list like these are three back to back to back where you can be like okay this makes a lot of sense that stone would want to play these all the absolutely and i thought you know and let's not skip over even though i thought this was a fantastic even for especially for 96 you get uh there's like a screen behind them and Ed kind of like he kind of leaves. I think he had, he had we didn't mention he had left the stage for mankind, 
I think maybe gone back to you know, work on his throat a little bit, maybe uh, a lozenge perhaps, but comes back on for even flow. And then when the solo starts, he kind of goes to the side of the stage and then he walks behind where, behind the amps kind of, and he, there's like, you know, they have lights projected on this little screen. He starts, starts kind of waving his arms around, like projecting a shadow onto the screen, like during the solo. It was kind of cool, and he actually he actually got so into it that he missed his cue to come back and sing. It, it was it was just cool. It was like adding a little a little visual component, you know, because they did obviously they don't they don't work with a big stage setup. There's not a lot of never like, you know, but it was he just kind of took the moment like, oh hey, I, I can do a little something here. And he's kind of kind of waving his hands and like all of them and making these. It, it must have been really cool for those people. But I was I thought this was a great version. of yeah, I don't know if this came later in the show. I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention at the right moment, but the lights in the back, I think maybe way later when you get into the encore, turned into the uh, colors of the Por- Portugal flag. I don't know if that huh. was during the whole entire show. Did you notice that? It was like uh, red and green. No, I didn't see. I noticed it was kind of a, at this point. I think it was still kind of a yellowish green. Okay, I could tell, but yeah, it could have been. There. I know he does go in this and get, he get he, someone in the crowd hands him a Portuguese flag later on. Right, yeah, it might have been after that that they, yeah. that they had changed it. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but really the 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 sets and the lighting rigs are basically very basic from this time. Like no, you know, very standard setup and all that. Like you know, when you whenever you watch these shows, the most thing that you get out of the background is. is incense burning and that was pretty much it so uh but yeah anything that they they do that's an addition to that is is uh is a pretty cool addition i i actually from these three i thought while even flow was really good i thought daughter was a really good standout too i just thought like sometimes daughter just either you're waiting for the tag and the song just kind of it just you know, passes you by really quickly, but I, I thought this version of Daughter was actually really fantastic, and it brought way into the tag, like, the way that they got into it and kind of dragged it out and built and then kind of brought it down a little bit at the end, too, with the androgynous mind. Like, I thought they did a really good job with that. Yeah, I mean, all all three, I you know, I agree that you get a little Sonic Youth tag on Daughter and a little androgynous mind, which is always great. And even during Jeremy, you know, it's being really emotive. Like he's, he's doing the up, down, up, down, up, down during Jeremy. And like the crowd takes it at the end. It's really great. Mike throws his guitar up in the air at the end. Like some def- some definitely cool moments. You know, this would have been the part, you know, oh, it's, it's our old songs. You know, we can just kind of sleepwalk through these and, and get, get to the newer ones. But no, they really felt like they, they were into it. It was a great little mini, mini set of the, uh, the hits from the early years. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned before, uh, you know, the crowd hadn't heard a lot of verses or Vitalogy, and really, I, I don't think they were even in Portugal in 93 or 92, so, um, you know, this is, if this is the second time, because they played the night before, if this is the second time they're there, you know, you want to hit them with the things to remember and I think that these three at least at the time are, are ones that people are going to be like oh man like that really that really made my night so yeah great stuff and uh, this is sort of the uh, they kind of this is used as a transition here uh, sometimes which is what we know of as being an opener or as uh, an opening trio type song is the 13th song in a set which is 
seems strange, but they did it a couple times during this tour. And uh, that follows up with Rearview Mirror. And I just kind of a combo of two songs that I never thought existed. Like there's tons of songs in, in their catalog that you would never put next to each other. Would you ever put Marker in the Sand next to, uh, I don't know, Around the Bend or something like that? Like pick two random songs and you would probably never see them next to each other. And I, sometimes, and Rear Mirror aren't like two rare songs at all, but it seems like they would never kind of meet in this same sort of situation ever. Yeah, and that's the second time we've had one of these in this set. You know, we had Who You Are and Animal to lead off, which is a little strange to think of in the context of now too. But you, you got to remember too, you know, this is this is still the, the Ed guitar off and the Ed guitar on parts of the main set, you know. So this would be, Ed puts the guitar back on for for sometimes after just singing for uh, mankind, even Flo Jeremy daughter. So yeah, it's 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 strange to think of now, but yeah, sometimes still hadn't really found its place yet. It hadn't really migrated to that early set spot that it that it would get to. But yeah, like like you said, it's just kind of used as a transition. And then you know what, what else can you say about Rearview Mirror? You know, it's it's fantastic. We've talked a lot about it. It's in our uh, our evolution episode. So if you want to hear more about Rearview Mirror, especially 96, because we talk a little bit about 96 versions. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good tee-up for you guys to go head over to our Patreon and go listen to the Rearview Mirror episode instead of us talking about Rearview Mirror right here. Because, of course, it was a fantastic version. It's Rearview Goddamn Mirror. Come on, sirs and madams. Uh, so... That leads way into another song that we've actually covered on Evolution, the one before Rear of a Mirror, Immortality, which I find to be probably the highlight of this show. Uh, you get, like, the beginning, that intro arpeggiated part is extended a little bit, and they kind of play it for maybe like a minute or so before they break out into the song. I thought that that was kind of a unique thing that, you know, usually it's just kind of one little thing and then then right into the song but this this lingered a little bit it was kind of cool said we this is this is one of the highlights for me as well i thought mike and jack at the end just absolutely nailed it you know this jack's this one we talked about oh yeah where he really came on in the song and just oh the ending is is just fantastic to listen to
Jack is for this song an MVP. And it's so hard because when you listen to the recording, you automatically think like, oh, that's that's got to be Jack, right? Because you attribute the song to Jack and you're just like, oh, it, it, it's Dave A. But yet Jack kind of transcends what this song identity really became. And this really, to me, there are a bunch of songs like this. And I know it's it, it for some of these, like, because they are Dave A songs, literally written by Dave A, like Last Exit, like that to me is like a quintessential Jack song to me. You know, it's it's so weird that we think this this way. But, you know, Dave A didn't have a lot of time with these songs. He recorded them, but didn't play them a lot live. We really got to know these songs with Jack. That's right. Yeah, and he really took him to the next level. You know, we, we've talked about it before. Like, what would it have been like if, if they had scrapped those Dave A. Vitalogy recordings and re-recorded it with Jack? You know, how different an album that could have been. Yeah, probably a little bit less raw, but yeah. still, like, maintained its vibe. But, uh, yeah, I, there, there could have been a world where that would have happened. And, you know, look, I think my top three albums all have Jack Iron's influence on them, them being, you know, the, the third, fourth, and fifth albums uh, in their discog. So, yeah, I, I, if, if Jack was on that full album, I think it would have... It's still Vitalogy and Yield are still neck and neck as one too, but I think who knows it might have surpassed it. I just saying, you never know. Yeah, so Immortality is fantastic, great performance, probably one of the best of this show. Ed addresses the crowd afterwards, and you know mentions it being the last night of the tour, saying that there might be a few songs that we didn't get the chance to play a lot. And uh, somebody throws a shirt or a towel on stage, and Ed uh, sniffs and it and says, "Hey." Was it a shirt? Okay. And he says, hey, it actually smells pretty good. So, you know, that's uh, that seems like 93 Ed coming out a little bit with a lot less uh, a lot less saying fuck. But, you know, still doing something really random and really weird. But um, that gets you into footsteps, which was not, like you said, not played a lot on this tour. Three times and then played a couple times on the U.S. leg. But this is, uh, this is what would be considered one of their uh, collector's items, one of the series collector songs at the time, I would think. Yeah, and you think of it too, because we, it's it's so prominent now, like it's become part of that Encore One or whatever, you don't think of it as ever being like a really hard to find song, but yeah, during this mid-period it was. And they were still doing it this time, there was no harmonica, it's a great rendition, it kind of feels like it's in its original adaptation, so... Uh, you know, Mike's solo is really good on it. It's nothing like completely special. It doesn't have that atmospheric special vibe, but it's kind of fitting the nature of what the song was back then. And then it's just kind of a, you know, a desolate sort of, you know, depressing tale. And and they kind of keep true to it, which I, I really love. And, and I, you know, I like versions of it now too for what now is but looking as to what it was then if we were doing an evolution episode on it like they kept true to sort of the undertones of of the song's creation and they kind of missed an opportunity for a little reverse mama on here too we almost we almost, almost. Got that in order yeah 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 we kind of 
uh, at least opposite order or mixed or something like that. Yep. Yeah, and you know, without you know a, a, a set list break in there too. But yeah, they do the whole Mamazon, which is uh, definitely not at least uh, without doing the three songs in order like that. I don't, I don't know how how rare that is, but uh, uh, sounds like probably doesn't happen too often. So um, this is a cool little section though. After footsteps, we get. Hunger Strike in the State of Love and Trust into Alive, and I think that this section here really kind of brings out the party atmosphere, and and this this is a different party atmosphere than we've seen from this this kind of era, or even before then, where like this is really a celebration of the final night in the tour. And I said this before we started recording that I don't know if they were doing stuff like this and you mentioned New Zealand 95 and I, and I know we covered that, but I can't remember what we did so long ago. There was no quarantine back when we did that episode. So I I, I don't remember. Um, but like they really, they're, they're really building into, you know, this fun, energetic environment of like, leave everything on the stage for the last night. Definitely. And then we talked about too, where a lot of these shows tend to get sideways. Like, they, they just throw the set list out the window and they just like let's just have fun like let's just play whatever we want to play and I think that's that's what happened here I think you see Ed talking to Stone a little bit and like they're probably like planning out okay we're gonna do this then this and I, I don't even think I, I, I don't think we have a set list picture from this but I don't even think this probably was was even listed I think they were probably just going off the cuff on this you know hunger yeah. strike and state of love and trust like they, they they had been doing that a little bit on this 96 run where they would play the just the first verse and chorus of hunger strike as like a little treat for the crowd and, and they eat it up completely yeah and that was kind of cool when ed says all right i'll be ed you be chris right uh kind of a cool part there where you know just kind of again another collaboration with a crowd that was already there to begin with um, you mentioned before Ed was really animated and, and emotive during, uh, what was it, Jeremy? He was doing the same sort of things with State of Love and Trust. He was kind of like making a finger gun and he was kind of pointing it at, at, at the crowd and pointing it at his head and in his mouth. And uh, and then he said at some point, he, was, he said, fuck that. I don't know what he's referring to. I don't know if he's referring to the nature of the song. I thought he or said I fucked if up. He's, I thought he said I fucked up. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I thought he said "fuck that." I know okay. he changes we, the we line might be at a different later on. He says, "You know, I'll do this with your help." You know, get. I did this with your help, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. So again, that that leads me to think that maybe it had something to do with the nature of the song that he's thinking while he's he's singing it and making you know uh, these the finger guns and stuff. He's thinking like, oh, "Fuck suicide! No, why are why are we singing about this kind of content when like we don't feel the same way?" I wonder if that was going through his head. Maybe that's kind of in the in the sort sort of tune of songs can just be songs now instead yeah, of yeah. like still feeling the same way that, that is, he did that about a certain song do, where absolutely right right which look state of love and trust is always going to stay around a set list it's it's never it's never going anywhere so but I, it might be another one that had a curse to it that had been lifted after a while because the crowd had you know taken a liking to it so much yeah and you and and again, in a live too to end the the main set, you Ed comes over and and lifts Mike up on his shoulders to play it, so he carries cool. him around a little bit. That that's something you're you're only going to get on like an end of the tour night. 
Yeah, and, and I don't know if you noticed, but he did the little elaboration on uh, Of Course There Is, where he, he embellished it a little bit. And I don't know if he was actually doing that in 96. I, I think that was more of a, you know, once, like, after 2000 and after, you know, they, they took the hiatus from the song... I think that's when they really started kind of, you know, just doing the sarcastic, well, of course there is, and really building to that and that being a crowd moment. But this, he kind of just does the same thing. It's not really a thing at the time, but, you know, it's notable. At least you can tell he's just kind of brushing it off. Well, of course, like, this version feels like the curse had been lifted at this time because it feels like they're, you know, they're just playing this to the crowd. They're playing it with the crowd crowd in collaboration with them. The crowd is going crazy. They're singing every single lyric to it. Like, it's, it feels more special than what the song's original intentions are. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, a lot of that's probably due to it, to it being the last night of tour. You know, keep going back to it, but you know, it, it can't be overstated. These, these shows are special and that's there's you know this last half of the of the, the set here is, is a testament to that like it's it's just hit after hit and all all these cool moments we'll get to a couple more in the encore too that are that are fantastic. in good spirits there's a mic smash at the end and uh ready for a little bit of a break come back and do six more songs after an encore and uh they begin that encore there's only one here they're gonna do six and they're gonna bust them all out all in a row uh they start off with once and go into black so a little bit of a 10 section here once i thought sounded really cool i, I you know again i think they were just they were juiced for it and it didn't sound you you always say like this kind of sounds like an Aerosmith song this sounded more of like them just being them and them just kind of taking over the arena aspect like it didn't sound like that early 90s kind of 
you know, non Pearl Jam vibe. Right. It's, I wasn't yeah, it's definitely that. not a not a ninety one or ninety two version, but it's not quite a, a two thousand thirteen, two thousand sixteen, two thousand eighteen version. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get the fist pumping or anything like right. that, but the crowd is definitely into it. You know, they're they're definitely rocking along with it. Yeah, and um, had uh had skateboards out on the stage for the encore too. That that got a nice little crowd reaction. Yeah, he was doing that a little bit at the time. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh that uh that version of black great version of black it's uh, again not not a version that gets like overly emotional they don't do uh we belong together tag they don't do like you know they don't kind of quiet it down for the do 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 they they keep it driving the whole time it's I, I thought it was a great version and the lighters are back that's that's another yep. one for the for the smokers to uh to to pull up pull up the lighters that was cool to see too uh, this is where Ed kind of mentions again, this is, you know, these songs are going to be the last songs that we play in 1996 and they're a group of people that have seen us the entire tour. So thank, thank you everybody who've, who've come out for every show and, uh, said that the song is just about good thoughts, getting us in the smile. This probably is sort of a precursor to where we see smile nowadays being in that, you know, that encore to, just sort of opener, you know, to get everybody loose and feeling good before they get into stuff like Better Man Alive and all that. So it's uh I don't I don't know where they were playing Smile at this time in ninety six. I would I'd assume that maybe sometimes they were doing it in the in the spot, but also I, I think they were doing it in the main set a little bit too. Yeah, and I think this was this was a late one too that came off the album. I think it was they didn't they didn't debut it until this European leg, so it, it was still kind of finding its spot, but yeah, and it's, it's, it was weird too. It really stood out because you think about, you know, at the end of the uh, the main set, you have footsteps, hunger strike, state of love and trust, alive, once, black, smile, and then so it's it kind of sticks out as being like all those ten era songs at the end of this end of the set here. Smile is like the only new one that you get. So yeah, I thought it was thought it was great. You know, they you get of course you know Jeff and Stone switch and. Ed goes into the crowd like I think you, you know, we talked about the crowd being so rowdy early and being packed in he seemed like he just dove into the crowd and he couldn't tell what he was doing but he comes back with a with a Portuguese flag and like kind of does a little bit of playing with it like throws it behind him on stone and plays with Mike a little yeah. bit and puts it on the drum like that was a nice touch yeah 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 no they had they had a lot of fun with that uh, yeah it's I, I think smile really became at this point I, I don't know if they were you know, waiting for no code to just sort of kick in and get people more familiar with the tracks. They sort of, they do that with albums sometimes where, you know, like Getaway, where midway through the tour, they're like, okay, now we're going to, now we're going to get to Getaway. And or the switching instruments the too, you know, Jeff probably, maybe, you know, one of sure. Jeff didn't feel comfortable, but he might need some more practice on that until they could really break it. I'm sure they were sound checking it a bunch. So yeah, it could have been any of those things. Yeah, of course, yeah. And and I, I think what they realized what they had with the song was something for this kind of moment that they could they could be loose, they could joke around on stage together, you know, they're they're switching the instruments, so that's kind of you know, that that's sort of a novelty and like Ed can play a little harmonica, that's something he really didn't do at all at the time. And uh you know, it it just kinda it brings together that atmosphere like we were saying before, the final night of the tour. And it's making it feel bigger than than it is. You know, the, like they're, the, they're really playing it. The up. Barcelona version from just a few days before ended up on that the B side of that right. fan club single. So yeah, they were definitely they were definitely into it. 
That's right, yeah. So, and, you know, they don't play it very often. It's only been played, I think, 77 or 78 times. And, uh... But you would think every, pretty much every time that wasn't Moline, it's going to be in this spot. Just hanging out in the encore. Yeah, it's great. I like it. And I think it really fit in. And we get sort of to end here. The the party scene is in full force. And we get a porch led better rocking in the free world, which you would kind of consider as like your 96 bread and butter. Would you would you say that? Yeah, definitely. Or? I think even Ed comes out after Porch and says, "Oh, you know that one's usually the one that we end on, but we're going to do a couple right. more for you." Right. Yeah. 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 And of course, Porch has some hijinks going on. So, yeah. What's what's going on there? He does a little bit uh, to to Stoneside. He gets on, I guess, a little bit of a platform. Not doing really much of anything. Just kind of you know just perched up there. there. Yeah. 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 And jumps down. He he jumps down. It doesn't look like it's too high. It's probably about uh, like uh, eight feet high or so. And then he gets a little bit more risky. Goes over to where Mike is, and he's climbing up on a lighting rig. And that's like you're, you're getting to the top of the aggro crack up there. Yeah, it was it was high up, and the video is kind of trying to find him, and they, they catch him, you know, poking his head out, and he he holds up this this thing you can't really tell what it is at first it, they hold it up like a trophy like <laughs> look what i got like i did it i made it do it with the and it's yeah it's, it's a push broom and he he comes back down with it intact and starts sweeping the stage off <laughs> i guess trying to help out a little bit trying to trying to you know you always want to leave the place cleaner than you found it uh, the but, last but time the tour you know he did stop to pick up a pick right. and throw it into right. the crowd right. so Oh, yeah, he's the little. You get to see Ed the the mercurial side of him a little bit there. <laughs> Good moment, and and like this is a what eight minute version of Porch. Oh, just and half of it is champ alone. We talk about you know you can talk about different influences in Porch and like fast Porch. They were just wasting time waiting for him to climb yeah. up this thing. They were just oh, yeah. they were just stalling for him to to get up this lighting rig and then get back down. There's it's, there's not much musically to this little little section of it. Right, you. I think if you're just listening to the actual bootleg and not watching it on YouTube or watching it on video, I think you would be like, "What? What are they doing?" That sounds like they're kind of direct, directionless here. But the crowd reacts, so like you, you have to know that something is going on at some point. So you know, it is it is porch, and it does happen every now and again. But uh, yeah, just fun moment. You know, I think probably everybody in that crowd is going to come out of that saying I remember seeing Ed just climb to, to the heavens up there so like uh, if that person from Instagram gets back to us and says that he was at the show and remember and this is his moment to remember I'm going to guess that this would be one of his favorite moments it's just a Definitely. guess just a guess it's, it's the thing I'm going to remember from watching the video for sure oh for sure yeah, this and just Jeff going absolutely nutso during the beginning stages of, of uh, this show. Um, after Porch, though, Ed mentions they, they're going to play one more and said that there was a request for Garden, but they weren't going to play it uh, because they, they were just running out of time. And, and that's where I think you were mentioning before that 
you know, they, they were just kind of going off a whim and yeah. maybe they had a piece of paper and garden was written down with a, uh, with a question mark or something right. like that. Right. I, I, maybe it was, it was penciled in somewhere. Yeah, I think but, yeah, stone gets on the mic and says, Oh, that that's my fault. I forgot how to play it. <laughs> they were, were they doing it that often at the time? I like they so. didn't fully leave it out. It wasn't like totally gone from the Jack era. Yeah, but the last time it was played was Red Rocks until 2000. Wow. So from 95 so to 2000, it wasn't played. More than a year. Okay, so it was gone during the Jack era, yep. basically. Yep. Wow. Wow. That's a shame. I, I thought, it would have been really interesting to hear his take on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that that was one that it was more rare, but it wasn't totally gone like a Y-Go or, or a glorified G. Yeah, it, it, it came back in 2000. But, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's it's a shame. Like, it 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 would have been cool to hear Jack's take on those songs. Yeah, I mean, we do have Red Rocks. Right, we can get right. to Red Rocks at some point. So when we do, that'll be it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure outside of that, it probably doesn't really have much of a a, a life form. So yeah. uh, they do get to Lead Better. They finish off with Rocket in the Free World. It's a great finish here. Uh, Ed's and in the crowd is going back and forth a, a lot, rocking in the free world, and it, again just feeding off energy off each other, and and you know just Ed takes it kind of they get really low before the thousand points of light uh, part in uh, you know the final verse, final verse chorus, and uh, yeah, man, it, it just they're getting everybody electrified. This is their last moment that they could spend in Europe and they wouldn't go back to Europe for another four years. I don't think they went in 98. They went to Australia instead and uh, they wouldn't be back for 2000. And 2000 is not a European tour that they really think about too often because obviously it kind of comes back with some bad memories. But like this, when you you can go back and kind of take yourself and channel yourself into their minds, they're probably thinking that, wow, these were the moments that we we remember from those early Europe shows. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too, you know, if, if this had been a US tour, you'd probably get these last two switched, you know, you'd end with Ledbetter because that's the one that uh-huh. sent everybody home happy, but these European shows, you know, Rockin' in the Free World is is kind of their send-off to, to Europe and like, you know, our kind of the, the last love letter from, from the US to Europe, so that was that was definitely fitting. Yeah, absolutely, and it finishes off a really, really solid show that just has you know, great, great crowd participation, and I'm sure we, we you know, with in the with the magic of editing, I'm sure you got to hear a lot of what the crowd was doing and a lot of a lot of how they've been reacting, and uh, that's that's the story there. So, how uh, how are we going to put this into favorite moments? Is the crowd going to kind of dictate where our favorite performances are from this show? Yeah. Um... A little bit, a little bit. It was it was tough to pick on this because there's, we, you know, I think we we've, we've talked about there's a couple that stand out, but it, that third one you could go you could go so many different ways. But I'm gonna go with uh, with porch as my number three. The whole climbing up, getting the getting the broom, sweeping the stage, finding the pick. That just that whole thing. Watching it, I was just I was cracking up laughing. You know, it's it's that side of Ed that that you only only comes out of every once in a while, and it was great to see. Uh, my number two is going to be Not For You. Uh, when it got really quiet, uh, he kind of explains it a little bit. The ending is fantastic. The original ending I love. And uh, my number one is going to be Immortality for all the reasons we talked about. 
Yeah, uh, our number one and number two, I think this is what, like the third or fourth week in a row where we had the same, uh, you know, top two and uh, no change. I have Immortality as my number one and Not For You as my number two. Uh, I'm going to say number three is actually going to be a lie from this show. I I thought this was, uh, you you go along with sort of the theme and the theme was sort of crowd pleasing and, and sending them home happy. And this Alive reminded me a lot of what they would do with Alive today and how this would kind of be like a grand finale of a set. I know that it ended the main set not uh and not the encore like it does nowadays but it still felt like that big moment that kind of leads leads you to the end of the set you know it felt it felt special from that that standpoint like this is the last night that we're on tour in europe like we're gonna we're gonna leave it all out there you get ed and put mike on his shoulders you get uh him uh what's called doing doing the embellishment of the of course there is line like that's pretty special stuff to me so yeah I yeah like uh, but you can't go wrong you can't yeah. go wrong with a live or a porch in that spot oh, yeah, you could have sure. could have gone who you are you could have gone corduroy you could have gone even flow yeah, mankind Animal. yeah, yeah I, I really like this daughter and that mm-hmm. daughter tag so like, that's that's up there for yeah, sure a lot, a lot absolutely good really good moment so that uh that asks me what to do with the rating so uh what do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it an eight and a half because I think it's okay. just below the some of them from this tour, like Berlin, Barcelona, Hamburg. I think it's it's right below those. So it's 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 like the cream of the next of the crop. I'll say. So I'm gonna say eight and a half. I need to give that Barcelona show a second listen because I remember not really loving it. Hmm when we did it i I remember we made some comments that it was like it's just okay and if it's any anything like what this show was or better than this show then yeah it it definitely deserves a second listen and people mention it because of the uh the sound check and i think that's why it gets referenced a lot but like you mentioned smile uh being part of a, a fan club single you know that that you know they hold it in pretty high regard too. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this an eight. I'm you know right in the same boat with you. I, I think that uh, maybe this show is is a seven if it's not if I don't get the maybe the show is a seven if you don't get like the excitement of the crowd and and the anticipation of this being the last show of the tour. But I think that really brought an energy out of both the band and, and the crowd in this where everybody was, was acting in unison all night. And, you know, what's keeping me from making it higher is probably just the lack of uh, history and notoriety to it. Like there's not a lot of things and, and and that's okay. And that, 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 that's great that you can kind of find like uncut gems like this. But you know, there there are certain things in the history of this band that you go back to, and and you know, you're like, that's the moment that made the show. There there are a couple that maybe people from the show can go back to, but I don't know if if Pearl Jam fans really remember this one, and that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. So, you know, as 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 far as the show goes, it's fantastic. It's a great listen. It's a great watch. Eight is right in the wheelhouse. I think that's, you know, that, that's a very solid rating for that. Okay. That's cool. You know, if, if you, again, this is another one we talked about the same as last week. If you if you like set lists that are full of hits, you know, if you 
if you if you need the the corduroy better man jeremy daughter rearview mirror immortality alive black porch like this is definitely a set for you like this is one that i'll i'll probably go back to for some of it but uh you know it it, it doesn't have a lot of rare ones you, you do get a mankind you do get a hunger strike so there are a couple of moments in there but i think the night before they had done black red yellow maybe night one in lisbon so yes that that gets a little more attention because of that but yeah i thought this was this was great to listen to you know i, I i'd recommend it yeah I, I i recommend it from the crowd standpoint and you know if you want to get to you know basically listen to all of their set ender shows then yeah this is this is one you have to listen to that's that's for sure yeah. so all right. Well, speaking of set enders, that closes out the European leg of our uh, of our around the world tour. Uh, how many shows from Europe did we do? Like maybe twenty. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah, it was at least it's up there. fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are what are your favorite? What are your some of your favorites from uh, from this? And maybe what what are some that you wish that we would have gotten to? Oh man, um, you know I loved doing the uh, the Berlin show. Uh, that was a highlight just because I was been listening to it forever. Uh, Krakow I thought was great from 2018, a more recent one. Uh, I mean, there there weren't many stinkers in the bunch. Pink pop. Yeah, no, I yeah, like I think maybe the one that we did for Patreon that was the. The opener for for Neil Young from Finland. That one was kind of like, eh, you know, they weren't really in the best mindset at the time. But um, yeah, most of these were really really fantastic shows. Uh, I I loved Pink Pop 2000. I thought that that was great. Um, uh, Brixton was fantastic from just sort of you know getting a feel for what an early 90s uh, 1993 set was like. And uh, yeah, I, I I agree. Krakow was was another really good one too. This is we hit on a lot of fantastic stuff, and I'm sure, you know, here's the thing: a lot of our requests that come in are going to be U.S. requests. So you know, we're going to take some random U.S. cities, you know, but also we wanted to do this because we knew that. First of all, like you, you mentioned earlier, that there was going to be a European tour this year, so hitting all these spots up would help people uh, get pumped up for the for the shows, especially a place like Budapest where they hadn't played in a long time, and Krakow, which were which they were going to go back to. But yeah, we're we're not going to get a chance to to really do a lot more European shows in this kind of setting. So maybe you know next year we kind of splice them in. We make sure that we get a couple of outside of us canada kind of shows but uh you know I, like this this was uh this was the time to do it so i'm, I'm glad we got it done oh yeah and, uh, and from here on out like we're we're finally getting to the south american leg which is something i've been looking forward to since we had this idea these are going to be special yeah and i think that we have to First of all, we have to get into these shows because they're just kind of on a whole nother level. Like this is a good a good segue 
crowd to get you into what Brazil's going to be like for next week. Because we're doing Sao Paulo 2015 next week, which is apparently one of the one of the best of the best of the Brazil shows. Uh, so haven't listened to it yet, but looking forward to it entirely. I think that what we're going to be doing after you know listening to these is we're going to say, look, we got we got to bring back at least once or one or two of these South American or Central American shows back every year because they're just so much fun to listen to. So we'll we'll mix them in here 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 and again. We'll 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 get to them all. Oh yeah, they're all fantastic. I think I remember. Uh, posting on the forums i think back a few years ago probably 2014 2015 i think i joked that we should rename the 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 south of of america like you know georgia florida tennessee we should rename ourselves south america so that pearl jam would actually come play there (laughs) yeah you would probably have a better chance of seeing them in brazil than you would atlanta That's that's for sure so and along with the Sao Paulo show that we're doing next week, we actually uh, we're going to have an extra show for you guys. Uh, basically, I call them the MVPs of the Pearl Jam quarantine era because Pearl Jam couldn't be around the quarantine era. Who filled in? Well, these five guys did. They are a cover band from Brazil that gotten you know shot up in popularity uh this past spring when they uh they covered dance of the clairvoyance and they cover super blood wolf moon and they've been doing a lot of great stuff for charity and basically the day that pearl jam was supposed to go on tour in toronto and you know they they had to cancel and all that black circle stepped in and did a live stream and donated the money to uh, a charity of their choosing that was uh really special to them and it got the the attention of both ed and jill so it's going to be great we're going to have them on they have a new album that's coming out that's all originals and we're going to talk about that a little bit i might spin some records on that and uh we'll talk about they they have firsthand knowledge of the brazil shows so if there's any good people to talk about the brazil shows with it's it's definitely them Oh yeah, if you haven't seen their their cover versions, like it's it's uncanny. They sound great, and I think they got a shout out from Mike as well. Like they did, yeah. Just yeah, the to get to get recognition like that for a cover band, it's fantastic. And yeah, the, the like you said, they've they've got an album originals coming out, so they're branching out a little bit. But yeah, it'll be great to talk to them. It'll be you know, it's always great to get that that firsthand perspective, especially on those insane South American shows. Absolutely. So, yeah, they'll be here. We'll release that episode next Tuesday, and then we'll have Sao Paulo for 2015. All right, let's uh, let's close this one on out. We're done over here. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. It was a great time in Europe, but we have to say goodbye. And we'll be back to Europe at some point in 2021. I would assume we'd go back for some show. I don't know. Give us a request. If you join Patreon, that's the best way for us to get to a show. Uh, but if you don't join Patreon, send us also send us a show request. Cause we like this one, this was a random comment on a random thread and we picked up on it. So you just never know what we're going to get to. We're always thinking what you guys want. So, uh, all right, let's close it on out. We'll see you next week for Sal Paulo 2015. Shout out to stone's parents. I see you on another level. We'll, uh, we'll make sure to come back. We won't forget these last couple nights. On behalf of uh, our band, uh, we'd like to thank 
uh, the Fastbacks, who played with us and played first. Richard Stuber, who played. Uh, and most importantly, I'm going to go out of my way and thank the crew, because we have this little family here that does this thing. And uh, I personally don't know how it's good. But we'll hope to stay together and we'll see you next time. See you later. Thanks a lot, you guys. Take care of yourselves.